21. I'm sure it was a beautiful house, but I didn't really see it. All I saw with my dim rhino vision were walls and doorways. But at least we'd been right to guess that there were wide hallways. Wide enough for me to barrel down like a... Well, like a rhinoceros. And the ceilings were high enough that Tobias, Cassie, and Marco could fly down them, searching madly from room to room. Searching with vision greater than human vision, and hearing that could pick up the sound of a gopher belching from a distance the length of a football field. They used me to open doors. Jake, open this door! Marco would say. I'd turn where he showed me, shove my massive bony face forward, and the door would explode in splinters. Crunch! Bang! We are trashing this man's home, Cassie said. I sure hope he is a controller after all this. He can afford to have his doors fixed, Marco said. That's not the point, Cassie said. Then, Jake, open this door, please. Crunch! Bang! Nothing! Tobias complained. Nothing, nothing, nothing! Nothing in any of these rooms, and there may be a hundred rooms in this place. Tobias is right! We are out of time! Cassie said. This isn't the way to do it! I said. We can't just search room to room. It could take hours. We need to figure this out. How do we find Axe and Rachel? Where would they be? In the last place we look, Marco grumbled. Or at least, wait a minute, wherever they are, they'll be guarded. Yes, I said. Of course, we just rampage till we see something well guarded. I'll head upstairs, Tobias said. He zoomed away and up a large staircase. I lumbered along in a vast open living room area. I stomped on through. I tried not to crush too much furniture, but I was big and half-blind, so I kept hearing the crunch of wood and the shatter of glass and pottery in my wake. Up here! Tobias yelled. Then, not as loud as before, but still loud enough. Tobias! I'm okay, but I found an area with two big guys with big guns. It's upstairs. I tried to turn around and head back to the stairs, but then Marco yelled. Uh-oh, guy's coming up behind us. Man, how many gunmen does this lunatic hire? Jake, we have to go through these guys to get back to the stairs. I got guys on my tail. Tobias yelled down from upstairs. I spun around and wiped out a couch in the process. This way? No, a little left. I turned and annihilated a coffee table. Then, I charged. I couldn't tell the difference between the men and various pole lamps and bookcases, except when they moved. The blur drew my eye, and I smelled humans. I lowered my head and charged. Shotgun pellets stung, but didn't penetrate beneath my outer skin. I was hit. I staggered. I felt the bullet from the handgun tear into my right shoulder. A second slug lodged into the bone of my face. I hit the guy with the gun. I was mad. I lowered my horn and I tossed my head back. He went flying back over my shoulder. The other man jumped aside. I think he was fumbling to reload his shotgun. I sideswiped him and knocked him into the wall. Then I was out of the room, back into the hallway, 
tearing along back to the staircase. I was bleeding, and I was weakening on my right side. My right front leg was moving slower. The bullet in my face must have ricocheted off. I felt pain there, but not the heaviness I felt in my shoulder. I came to the stairs and tried to charge straight up, but rhinos were never meant for climbing stairs. My legs wouldn't lift high enough. My weight and momentum were too much. The wooden stairs splintered. Tobias, what's going on up there? I'm leading these guys around in circles and they're blowing the crap out of the walls and ceilings trying to shoot me. I can't make the stairs. We need more firepower. Morco, Cassie, Morph. Tobias, keep it up. Keep leading them on. A bird trapped in a house, being chased by two guys with shotguns. Had I just sentenced Tobias to death? I started to demorph as fast as I could. But while my thought speak was still functioning, something occurred to me. Rachel! Axe! Can you guys hear me? Rachel! Axe! Mm, what? Who is that? Mm, it is me, Axe Axe said. He sounded dazed. I wasn't surprised. Axe! Demorph! Time's up! But there are humans here watching me, Prince Jake. Another decision. Just do it, Axe. We're coming for you. Do you? My thought speak went dead as I became more human than Rhinoceros. Yes, Prince Jet. Axe fell silent. I was shrinking. My armored flesh became tender human skin. My face was flat and delicate. But my legs could handle stairs. I still heard the sounds of gunfire from upstairs. And the sad thing was, I was glad. As long as they were still shooting, it meant Tobias wasn't dead yet. Marco and Cassie were just becoming human again. They were three-foot-tall lumps of feathers and shrinking beaks and emerging skin. One wrong move and Tobias was gone. Axe might be demorphing in front of people who might be controllers. Rachel... No one knew whether Rachel was even conscious and capable of demorphing. Or alive at all. And now the three of us were utterly vulnerable. Weak. Pathetic. I just kept thinking. This wasn't even supposed to be a very dangerous mission. And now, we were as close to being wiped out as we'd ever been. Come on, I said, slurring my words with a mouth that was not yet human. No time's left. I started up the stairs, staggering on my shifting, changing legs. The joints weren't right. The toes weren't toes. And my ankles seemed to have no flexibility. But time was up. I dragged myself up those stairs, hoping desperately that I had not killed us all. Chapter 22 I was human by the time I had reached the top of the stairs. But human isn't a great morph when you're thinking about going against guys with guns. As I ran, I saw, to my horror, something emerge from the flesh of my shoulder. About as big as a fingertip, smashed. The color of mud. It was the bullet that had lodged in my shoulder. By good luck, it had ended up outside my body as it morphed into a smaller form. The bullet dropped to the carpet. A hawk zipped by overhead, scraping the walls with its wings. A loose feather drifted down. What are you guys doing looking like that? Tobias demanded. Are they still after you? Yeah, but I lost them temporarily. 
The room they were guarding is down the hall. Then through this big, massive bedroom. You'll see a doorway. Last time I went past, there were still a couple of guys guarding it. What do we do? Marco asked. I swear, I almost punched him. If one more person asks me what to do. Morphagun, combat mode. Tobias, try and reach Rachel and Axe with ThoughtSpeak. If you get Rachel, tell her to demorph right now. No arguing. If you get Axe, tell him to... I hear my guys coming. Tobias interrupted. Into that side room. It's unlocked. I'll lead them away. Margo, Cassie, and I all dodged into the side room. I heard the sound of heavy, wary feet tramping by. Where is that lousy bird? What I can't figure out is why we're chasing it and blowing holes in the walls and ceilings. Because we want to keep our jobs, that's why, the first man muttered. By the time they were gone, I was in Tiger Morph. The rhino was great for busting things down, but I wanted eyes and ears and reflexes to go along with my power, and nothing I'd ever morphed could do as much damage as the tiger. Cassie had morphed a wolf, Marco a gorilla. In a fight, they were our standard morphs. Rachel! I yelled as soon as my thought speak was back. Rachel, if you can hear me, demorph! Demorph now! To Marco and Cassie, I said, Come on, let's do this! Marco opened the door with his almost human fingers, and we ran. Down the hall, through a bedroom that I swear, without exaggeration, was as big as a basketball court, and up to the doorway, where two very scared-looking guys stood cradling weapons. One carried a shotgun, the other a small submachine gun. They were thirty feet away. For a frozen moment, no one moved. I could cover thirty feet in two seconds. In those same two seconds, the guy with the machine gun could fire ten rounds. He could easily kill me. If he failed, the force of my leap, my desperate need to defend myself, would ensure that he died. It was time to gamble. Look, you two men. They stared at me like they were going nuts. They could guess that it was me they were hearing in their heads, but they had never even imagined talking to a tiger before. Then again, they'd never expected to be face-to-face -face with a small, angry zoo, either. Yes, it's me, the tiger. Don't worry about how or why. Here's what you need to know. I don't want to hurt you, but I have to go past you. You may shoot me, but you won't kill me fast enough to keep me from taking you down. See this paw? I lifted one paw. My tiger paws are about as big around as a frying pan. I extended the cruel, yellowed claws. With this paw, I can literally knock your heads from your shoulders and send them rolling like bowling balls. Now, I don't know what you're getting paid for this job. Not enough, said the man with the machine gun. I can't believe I'm talking to animals, but that tiger makes sense. We are not getting paid enough, his partner agreed. We put down our weapons and walk away. Agreed, Mr. Tiger? Agreed. Cassie, keep an eye on them. Cassie trained her acute wolf senses on the men. If they had even thought about trying anything tricky, she'd have known it before they did. Marco, now it's your turn to open a door. Open that door. Marco raised his huge gorilla arms back over his head, preparing to swing them down with shattering force. Marco, try the knob first. 
Oh. He opened the door, and I leapt through. Chapter 23 I bounded into the room. It was dark, but my tiger's eyes could see through the gloom as easily as if it had been lit with stadium lights. There seemed to be a sky overhead, green mostly, with vivid flashes of lightning. Scruffy plants grew from what seemed to be soil beneath my feet. And in the center of the room, perhaps fifteen feet across, was a shallow pond of liquid the color and consistency of molten lead. There were two cages beside the pool. Axe was in one. He was halfway between his northern harrier morph and his own andalite body. He was frozen stiff, unmoving, not even breathing, like some nightmare statue composed of gray feathers and a scorpion tail and talons and a mouthless face. And the other cage was Rachel, still a bald eagle. My tiger eyes were very good. My tiger ears were good too. I heard no heartbeat from her. I saw no slight movement of her chest rising and falling with breathing. I felt my heart stop beating for several long seconds. Dead. Both dead. I'd been too late. There was a man there, too. I recognized the face. Joe Bob Finestre, the second richest man on Earth, head of Web Access America. I recognized what he had in his hand, too. A Yurk Dracon beam. He was not pointing it at me. He was pointing it at Axe. Wrong again, Jake. This man was a controller. Had to be. Marco and Cassie came in behind me. After a few seconds, Tobias joined us. But Fineshri just kept staring at me. At last, he spoke. So, not Yurks after all. I'm to be destroyed by Andalites. Well, I suppose there is some honor in that. At least. Let my friends go, I said harshly. He shrugged. You can take them. I don't care. Killing Andalites is not my life anymore. Yeah, my friends look dead, I said. He frowned. Nonsense. Don't you recognize biostasis when you see it? They are simply frozen in time. I thought you Andalites were supposed to be so advanced when it comes to technology. My heart quickened. Biostasis? What was that? Get them out of there, I said. Or what? He mocked. You'll kill me? You'll kill me anyway. I was panting. My mind was racing madly. What game was this man playing? How could I win? Why would I kill you? I'm a yerk, he said. A controller. Although my host and I are on very good terms. I made him rich. I wrote his famous web browser. We've been partners all these years. Yurks don't have partners, I said. He laughed. No, he drawled. We don't. He looked at me with a sharp, shrewd look. Who sent you after me? Have you made some kind of deal with my brother? Your brother? You are obviously Andalites, he said patiently. No one else has your amazing morphine technology. But I have to ask myself, why would Andalites go through so much trouble to kill me? Me, of all Yurks? 
I was totally confused. I hesitated. This is weird, Marco said, sending me a private ThoughtSpeak message. This guy is cornered, Cassie said. He thinks he's toast. You can see it in his eyes. We need to find out more. I paced a little. Tigers get restless just standing. Should I take the chance? Should I tell him at least some of the truth? We traced you here from the webpage. The one about Yerks. He nodded. Yes, but why come after? His face lit up. Of course. You were looking for allies. You weren't sure, were you? You thought perhaps it was all real. That humans were forming a resistance to the Yurk invasion of their planet. You came here to see if I was for you or against you. Then he began to laugh. He laughed in that sick way people do when they're laughing but nothing is funny. Shall I tell you who and what I am, Adelite? Shall I? I didn't answer. I waited. My Yurk designation is Esplan 9466. Note the double six. Do you know what it means? No. A double designation means I am a twin. That two Yurks grew from the same grub. When there are twins, one is considered the prime, and one the lesser. I am the lesser. My brother, my twin, is the prime. To him go the best assignments, the best hosts, the rank, the power, the glory. And to me, only what I can take. He made a fist on the word take. In some cases, brothers can share. In some cases, twins can even become allies. But not with my brother. My brother is power mad. Or maybe just mad now. He left me nothing. He assigned me to a poor, unimportant human host. This Joe Bob Finestre. A Lola programmer working in the bowels of a telephone company. Well, that wasn't good enough. I wanted more. And if I couldn't have it as a yerk, I'd have it as a human. I ended up making an alliance with my host. We were two of a kind. Two losers in the shadow of our betters. I used yerk technical knowledge to make Finesse rich. And in the process, I created Web Access America, which made me the greatest source of information on humans there was. I knew secrets my brother could only guess at. You sift email. You spy on chat rooms. You know human computer technology, he said. I swallowed hard. I'd been careless. I had sounded human. Bluff it out. We Endolites are a small, hunted band on this planet. Knowledge is survival. He seemed satisfied with that. I became an invaluable asset to the invasion. All by myself, I had become a powerful human with vast information. But, of course, my brother couldn't tolerate that. He had me declared a traitor. He cut me off from the Condrona. He would have killed me. For the crime of being as great as he, he'd have murdered me. Joe Bob Finesse's eyes bored into me, and I felt a chill of premonition. See, right then, I knew who this twin brother was. Who he had to be. Oh my god, Cassie whispered. She'd guessed too. Yes, only one twin can be great, Finesse said bitterly. Only one of us could be the mighty Vista Three.
Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, sorry if you can hear my fans in the background. It has been an extremely hot week where I'm at. And while I am willing to suffer and sweat for the main body of the podcast, these after note show, or excuse me, after show notes, uh, I'm not willing to do that. So, fan stays on. Uh, so right off the top, I have a very lovely message that I received through my website. That's theapocalypse.com. The Apocalypse. It's like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Um, so, Ryan wrote this, and he wrote, Hello, Daniel. I have been a diehard Animorph fan since the first book was released when I was in the fourth grade. When they released the audiobooks on Audible, I was absolutely thrilled and bought and listened to them all. When they stopped at 10, I was so disappointed because I was really enjoying being able to listen to my favorite series while driving and doing other tasks. Someone on a fan page I follow suggested your podcasts, and I have to say, I wish I had known about it sooner. Your narration is incredibly engaging, and the voices you use for different characters are spot on. They are so good, in fact, that when I started playing Book 11 in the car with my 5 and 7 year old sons, they loved it so much, they asked me to keep playing it when I asked if they wanted me to put on music after the first episode. Now they are both hooked, and now whenever we are in the car, your podcasts are the only request. They even asked me to go for aimless drives so they can listen to more. Alas, we just got caught up today, so now they have to eagerly wait for the weekly episodes. In the meantime, we're going to go back and start from the beginning. Thank you so much for all the hard work you put into this project, and for helping me turn my boys into budding Animorph fans. You have bought some genuine joy to my family, and I think they will remember it forever. Sincerely, Brian. Just Brian. Uh, Brian... Thank you so much for that message. That is so sweet. Um, it's still very surreal to me that not only do do people listen to this, but uh, are, are really enjoying it. And that you showed your kids and that your kids like it. That's so cool to me that uh, a five and a seven-year-old think that I'm doing a good job. That That is really uh, special for me. So thank you so much for sending that in. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I hope that you continue to enjoy the work that I produce. Uh, speaking of character voices, I would also like to apologize to anyone Southern or Cajun um, for for this episode. Uh, I, I was aiming for Southern. I'm not very good at accents. I just up and down. I'm bad at accents. So, you know, Joe Bob, I thought mm, we could do a Southern gentleman. And it quickly slid into, can I call that Cajun? Uh, uh, a distant relative of Cajun, maybe? Uh, it's a bad accent, folks. I'm sorry. It's, it's what I got. Uh, but hopefully that won't detract too much from your and everyone's enjoyment of what I do. And I, I, I hope it was okay. <laughs> I, uh, what, what else we got? Uh, if you'd like to send me a very nice comment like Brian did, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, you can do that, uh, as previously mentioned on theapocalypse.com or through Gmail at audiomorphscast at gmail.com, or through my Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Uh, you can also leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you use that. And uh, if you want to leave me a nice message on your review, that's cool too. If you don't want to leave me a review, that's also fine. I just like getting reviews. They help make this podcast more visible, I think. I think that's how Apple Podcasts works. I don't know. Everyone else always asks for them, so I want them too. Uh, other than that... 
we are almost done with this book. I thought we had a lot more to go because the twists and reveals in the last six chapters uh, are a lot. I, I distinctly remember this last chunk of the book and a lot happens here that's like, whoa. And so I thought we had a bit more to go. No, we're almost done. Three more chapters and we will be finished with this and I will get the super cut out uh, the following week, hopefully. And then we'll just keep on plugging along. Awesome. So uh, thank you all for listening, and I will catch you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>